All right, I'm here today with Matthew Goldman from the Grand Reserve MasterCard. Matthew, thank you for making the time. I'm really interested to talk to you about this uh, new credit card, a wine credit card. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. So this credit card is for wine enthusiasts. It It is a brand new product. It's a credit card that has, like a lot of credit cards that we have dealt with, a sign-up bonus. It earns rewards for spending on the card. It's a, a proper MasterCard. It's a world MasterCard. And it is for people who like wine. Where? Uh, let's start at the beginning. You know, how, how do you launch a credit card? What, what, what is involved in that? Yeah, building a credit card program is certainly a challenge um, and something new. But my background professionally has been in fintech or financial services technology for quite a long time, going back about 15 years, first starting in the prepaid card space. And then more recently, I started a company that some of your listeners might know called Wallaby Financial, which was a credit card rewards optimization app uh, Mm. that I started in 2012. And it was through that experience that I both came up with the idea to launch new credit cards, as well as made the connections and learned the industry knowledge that helped me to actually get the program put together. Oh, boy, you just had enough buzzwords there to get us all going. I mean, prepaid cards and uh, optimization. You know, as I was first getting into cards, I, I think it was around around 2012. I've heard of Wallaby. I'm not sure what it does now or what it, what it's done over the years. But when you talk about uh, being able to optimize rewards, me and just, uh, you know, colleagues and, and friends I would talk to, I'd say, you know, we should have a, a credit card called the Chameleon, and it would change its characteristic. It would help you optimize all of your credit cards such that when you were at the grocery store, it, it selected the right card, you know, the MX Personal Gold. And when you were at an office supply store, it used a different card. Was that a service that kind of coached you into using those different uh, cards for the appropriate situation? Yes. So Wallaby, when I first conceived it, was the idea was to be like that card you mentioned, you, know, you just called the chameleon card. The, the goal was to have a intelligent credit card that would optimize for you based on your preferences and the cards in your wallet. Like other credit card nerds, I, I carried quite a few. I traveled a lot for work and I had this problem personally. And I, you know, like a lot of people do, looked at a sticky note in my wallet or looked on my phone for a note and couldn't keep track. And I realized that if it was you know hard to remember what my gas card was, I probably wasn't the only person. We were not able to get Visa and MasterCard to allow us to build that kind of digital wallet that steers transactions. Although yeah. there is a company in the UK called Curve that does that, and they are trying to come here. It doesn't have the rewards intelligence, but it is a single plastic that can kind of act as a, what they call an over-the-top wallet that has other cards underneath it. Um, so while we were trying to work with the networks to build this product, we thought, well, let's start with a really great app that helps you understand how to take advantage of these different rules and keep track of them. And I know there are some in market today, like Max Rewards and Card Pointers. Wallaby does not exist anymore. I sold the company to Bankrate at the end of 2014, and after Bankrate was acquired by Red Ventures, who owns so many of the credit card blogs now, yeah. uh, and I left. Eventually, after my departure, Wallaby was shut down, I think, in 2018. But for those six years, it was a an app that you could load all your existing cards into. We had a huge database of over 3,000 cards, and we knew how they worked and what their points were worth. And all their additional features, and you could optimize rewards or maximize cash flow, minimize interest and fees. It was a really 
powerful, yeah. flexible product. Uh, and really took me from just being someone who liked using credit cards myself to really understanding a lot of the different ways people engage with them and what rewards do for people and, and what people are looking for in new products. Ah, fascinating. Fascinating. I mean, you, you went out and did what I was thinking about doing. So uh, you're a man of action. I like that. So let's, let's talk about that. You, you looked at the space and for some reason, out of all the transactions that you saw going on there, uh, you chose wine as a, a foray for launching a credit card. What was it personal experience with wine? Do you, do you drink wine yourself or, or, or was it some of those transactions you saw and you saw uh, a, a gap here in the market for a, a credit card focused on that? Why did you choose wine? I picked wine because of my personal interest. Like you, I think, you know, I like credit cards and I like wine. The the inspiration is kind of both the business opportunity, which I think I conceived of a little bit broader, which was just there are so many travel cards and they're mm -hmm. great, but they're all kind of the same. And if you're really extreme, which maybe you are or I am or some of your listeners are, <laughs> I don't know about you, I have 24 cards or something. Um you, you're like, oh, I, I do need both a Platinum and a Chase Sapphire Reserve. And here's the reason I'm going to use them both or whatever. And here's why mm -hmm. it all makes sense. But for your regular person, even if they are paying attention, once you have a travel card, you do not need another. You know, it's they're complicated. And sure, one has four points here and one has three points there. And one transfers to this airline and one transfers to that airline. But really wanting to deal with all of that is a lot, right? So... At, at Bankrate, uh, after they acquired Wallaby, I was chief product officer, and our job, of course, was to sell credit cards for all the major issuers. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I saw was that as we talked to users, you could get someone excited to get a new travel credit card, but most people were not going to go get three new travel credit cards, and we made money when people purchased new cards. And so one of my complaints, as it were, to the issuers was, where are the new products? Like, yeah. yes, it's great to have another version of Chase Sapphire, but what about something totally different? And in fact, the opposite was going on. There are fewer different credit cards today than there were a decade ago, because there are fewer banks involved in credit card issuance. And a lot of the traditional retailers and things that had credit cards don't even exist anymore or, you know, are going bankrupt or whatever, right? There's all these other challenges. So... This idea that there could be new cards, I think, was just kind of percolating in my head. And then while I was at Bankrate, I traveled a ton for work. So we're talking about, you know, every other week, really frequent. And one of the things that occurred to me because of that was that I didn't want to travel. So I had all these points, millions <laughs> of them, and I didn't want to go anywhere, right? The idea of getting on a plane was really negative to me. So I had like millions of points. I mean, I'm sure it would make people jealous in that sense. And it wasn't manufactured spend or anything crazy. It was just, I was just traveling a lot and I was allowed to use my personal cards for corporate spend, right? And mm -hmm. get reimbursed. And I was spending, I think I called Amex at one point and I was, you know, spending, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year on airfare at 5X, you know, points, right? So I was doing really well, but I wasn't going to use them. And I have a family. So like, if I want to go somewhere, I need four tickets for everything and you yep. know, two hotel rooms. And so it's, you actually need all those points. So it's hard to get to them. And I just said one day in the office, like, Hey, you know, like what I want to do is stay home and drink a nice glass of wine. Like that sounds <laughs> relaxing. And so we thought like, well, maybe that should be a thing. The original joke name was wine miles actually, which doesn't really <laughs> quite make sense, but you know, like maybe you don't want to go somewhere. And 
So as we, I thought about really building this company, I thought, you know, there are a lot of great hobbies in the world. And I think that there is a market for other cards, whether it's golf or hiking or yoga or diving, surfing. I mean, there are so many hobbies, but I really felt like as a starting point, I need to start with something that I also personally enjoy and have some passion around, although I have no professional expertise. And that was wine. And it, it just made a lot of sense to us because of how experiential it still is. I mean, I think one of the values of travel cards is the experience, right? You're going somewhere, you're doing something and, and wine still has that. You want to go to a vineyard, you want to taste a new bottle and every vintage is unique. And, and that really drives, I think, some really interesting desires for consumers. And we thought that was a great way to build around versus, I don't know, some other products like if you did, I don't know, shoes or something like people buy a lot of shoes and that's good, but each pair of shoe is kind of the same, you know, from year to year. So yeah. Oh, interesting. So much to unpack there that I can relate to. Uh, you know, first on Milenomics, we often say, you know, the worst way to earn points and miles is, you know, sitting in a, a coach seat for work and maybe you're lucky enough to get an upgrade, but that's a really lousy way. And it sounds like in your case, it was so deflating to the point where you didn't even want to travel. You were traveling so much for work. So I can definitely relate to that. Uh, and then further, wine as a kind of a substitute for travel. You know, when our kids were young, we've got two uh, two boys as well. They're a little bit older now. But when they were young, it was so onerous to travel with them that we just shut it down for three years. You know, I, I, I God bless anyone who's traveling with uh, kids who are, you know, toddler age. They can't pull their own luggage. That's a really hard yeah. time. So I could see wine as being a way to vicariously explore the world. Uh, but just travel rewards have had such a, a captivating uh, influence on people. We, you know, kind of try to go against the grain of people who who we feel are irrationally chasing, doing crazy things in order to earn points and miles for travel. There's, there must be something to that, that the people wouldn't do something for more cash back than the value of the flights that they were getting just because the motivation of travel is so strong. Did you see that at, at Bankrate and in, in your research for uh, designing this card? There was, what was it about about that travel experience that was so incredibly powerful. What There has to be a reason why there's so many credit cards that reward uh, travel spend and reward on the redemption side for travel. What's going on there? I think there's a lot of different factors. Some of it is the way that airlines and hotels really work, which you think about it, an airline has whatever it is, 140 seats, and it's going from point A to point B. And they want to fill it as much as possible with paying passengers, but there's virtually no variable cost to adding that last person on. So the airlines have this weird business where they can give away some product and it's okay. It doesn't really cost them anything. And there was recently an analysis done about the way you know investment bankers or whomever value the loyalty programs of the airlines and the math basically goes that the loyalty programs are worth more than the airlines and they're really just <laughs> yeah. big you know loyalty program companies that happen to move airlines around airplanes around <laughs> so it's a very weird dynamic especially with um you know the traditional carriers where you had these kind of flat redemption rates and you could find these values now we know those are going away for a large part and everything's moving to the revenue-based cost and earning, which is, I think, a big change. But there's the gaming allure of it, first of all, which is I could be the person who can get 10 cents per point 
and really get value. And, and there's always someone who can do that. When I was doing Wallaby, my co-founder, a guy named Todd Zeno, who was the technical brains behind the operation, not surprisingly, was very good at math. And he was always taking those round the world flights, you know, not during vacation, traditional vacation season and getting some insane value, eight, 10, 12 cents per mile, flying first class, you know, through Dubai and those kinds of things. And so you hear those stories and as a consumer, that's very appealing. You, you want that. But the, the second part, which is I think a little less specific to travel is just the psychology and allure of rewarding yourself. So I, th- I think there's really two types of people, people who are like extremely rational and they're probably actually coming out ahead in many ways who are like, I just want cash back. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to get that 2% card. It's just nice and simple. I don't have to worry about this. But when you get a 2% cash back card, you pay your bills with it, right? You don't necessarily use it for something rewarding. When you have points and miles, you don't really have a choice but to reward yourself, right? You're going to get something you maybe don't need, but you do want and something that you wouldn't necessarily buy, but oh, shucks, you have points and you're forced to spend them this way. So I think this is in the travel space always boils down to this question like, you ask someone, would you ever pay for first class? And most people would say no. Even they're like, even if I were rich, I wouldn't pay. It just seems so expensive. But they would spend points on first class, even though you're still using you know, more value up, so to speak. You might only have right. one ticket of points in first class versus two in coach, as an example. I think the same thing applies in a lot of other rewards programs. So a really simple example, one of our, you know, we have a couple different ways you can use our rewards, but one of them is stemware. So like, would I personally ever spend $55 on a hand-blown European glass? I don't think so, but I would definitely <laughs> spend points on it because I love it. It's beautiful. I think the wine tastes better and I feel really nice about it. And by using points, I'm like, hey, this is just a treat. Uh, and we, we can do the same thing for, we have a pay with points partner. You can buy wine with our points. So again, maybe I only normally buy $30 bottles, but with points, I can buy a $100 bottle and I can have that splurge and I don't have to feel bad because it's not real money. It's it's rewards. It's kind of a funny money. Right. Even though all the way up leading, you know, the effort that you put into meeting the minimum spend bonus, uh, minimum spend requirement on the card, the ongoing spend, the opportunity cost of not putting on that 2% card, that's all forgotten. And you're tied into a system that, you know, all it is is rewards. There's no cash out. And so don't feel guilty about this. I think people honestly like that. And they're motivated by that. And, you know, I can see why people would do that because it's fun. And, you know, maybe the rewards aren't going to change their life if they are just straight cash back. But if if you design the right kind of program, it does give people, you know, uh, some motivation to stay vested in it. I remember the first credit card I ever got or one of the first credit cards that I ever got. And it was like you mentioned upstream, a golf credit card. It was issued by Amex and it was a Callaway golf credit card. And I figured I like to play golf. And so why not get a golf credit card? That'd be the perfect thing for me. We've talked more about this on the show. We call it the co-branded paradox. And that's you know where people think that the best card for them, if they fly United a lot or whatever it might be, is to get that co-branded credit card. But I'm sure, as you know, exploring the space, that uh, almost always isn't the case. There's probably a better card for somebody out there than that, uh, that co-branded credit card. So Spinning that around here a little bit, uh, if I like wine, let, let's get a l- into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of the the credit card. Um, you, you mentioned the the redemptions the, that you can redeem for accessories, and then a, a partner that you can redeem for uh, wine and maybe other experiences coming forward. All things wine you can redeem for. 
how did you go about setting up the uh, the welcome bonus, the minimum spend requirement, the the reward program, and the redemption side of it to motivate people to participate in this ecosystem? Yeah, uh, I think I think your your point is right about the relationship to the brand and the relationship to the the value is not just about the points per dollar, and it's all the benefits of the card. And so that was a big part of our thinking in in building the program is how do we make this a card of choice because people feel good about what they're getting? And the, and the other part is when you think, talk about rewards, which is part of how we design the program, is that rewards have no value if you don't use them. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. And I think about a third of all rewards points kind of never get redeemed. They just sit in someone's account. <laughs> and I was, as an example, talking to someone the other day, and I said, oh, you know, I have one of these chase cards. I think I have a lot of points. I don't know what to do with them. My friends just told me to get a Chase Sapphire, so I did. You know, so like there's this, you know, disconnect between the value. And so we really thought to ourselves, since we're building this from the ground up, how can we really shift some of that? And if you are a pure, every point has to be the absolute most advantageous economic trade-off, we're probably not your win. But if you think I prefer these rewards and experiences, then it's just easier and more pleasant. So that's kind of the overarching philosophy. And before I get into some of the nitty gritty, some of the things that we we did, like our points program is completely real time, which I think is a huge difference. So the second your transaction settles, you know, and the merchant has told us it's a valid final transaction, your points are available for spend. And we make the integration between our catalog of rewards and your account it's all one web application there's none of these crazy totally different experiences or confusing sign-on systems and and obviously in, in a traditional co-brand some of that's necessary right american airlines is one website and the american airlines card from citibank is a different one and they're going to have different passwords and things but you could literally make a transaction today and if it settles you know by tomorrow be ordering yourself a wine fridge and we will be shipping it to you right so that's some of the things about making that you know feel a little bit better, work a little bit better. Um, we actually go to a lot of lengths on the back end to make sure that points are easy to see and, and redeem and find. And I think in traditional loyalty programs, I don't know about you, like I've had you know Marriott points just kind of go poof before and they don't know what happened or whatever. <laughs> and so we actually use like we use a blockchain enabled technology to ensure that we never lose transactions. It's not really relevant to people, I suppose, other than we know that it's going to work really well. Um, and so then when we thought about the card, we thought, look, you know, a wine credit card is something new. We're not aware of anyone doing one before, so we don't want to push all the barriers at once. So we, we wanted to think about things like the signup bonus and some of the structures in a traditional way so that they were relatable to consumers because Chase and Citibank and Amex have spent billions of dollars over several decades teaching people this language. Mm-hmm. And we're a tiny startup, so I can't buy a TV ad to teach you something new. So that's part of why we went with like a traditional spend $3,000 in the first 90 days, earn 50,000 bonus points. And we went mm-hmm. with multipliers um, on certain categories because we thought that would be familiar. And it's yeah. already a big decision to get a new card. And so we didn't want to kind of push all the limits, as it were. 
I think that makes sense. Uh, you know, every bank has its own quirks, some more than others. But in looking, I have the application page up for the Grand Reserve card now. Uh, very straightforward and and familiar to me. You know, uh, zero, it's a four, uh, $149 annual fee, says waived the first year. I like that. So yeah, I, I am subscribed uh, to the Wine Berserkers Forum, and I got this uh, you know, semi-targeted email uh, offering a welcome bonus of 75,000 points. It seems pretty generous. Uh, you know, no fee the first year. It earns uh, bonus categories, like you said, 5X at uh, wineries, wine clubs, 3X at uh, liquor stores and, and and wine stores and things like that. And other categories, restaurants, stuff like that too. But 75000 is a pretty generous offer. But I'm surprised sometimes when I look at an offer in a foreign rewards program, there's no standard for what that might be worth. You know, is it a penny point? Is it 0.6 cents? Are, are there some redemptions that are better than others? So let's talk a little bit about the rewards. What are some of the rewards that people can redeem those points for? And is there are they highly variable or did you try to target them to a consistent value per point? Yeah, so there are three types of rewards and there are variable values. So let me first start with what the types are and then talk about how we get to calculating what it's all worth. So... The first type is wine. Um, we don't, again, we don't sell that directly because we are not a licensed alcohol retailer and do not want to be. And so we have a partner site where they price their wines and point. It's a multi-winery website, right? So you get different wines from different places. They have a lot of nice bottles or interesting things like magnums or three-year verticals in a box. So it has that reward feel, right? It's not just your everyday wines necessarily. And you can go on that site and you can check out and pay with points. Like you might have used that with Chase on Amazon. So we have built a similar technology where you can just check out on points and then you know the wine gets shipped to you and, and no cash is, is required. Okay. The second is merchandise. So we have this very tightly curated catalog in our experience. And you can preview it. And one of the things we did is, is did make a preview. So if you go to grandreservecard.com slash catalog, you can see what's in there. You can't buy it, of course. Um, and we, we have a group of sommeliers and other wine industry experts who advise us and help us kind of pick products that we think are good ones. There's a wide variety as well, right? People like different things. Some people you know, do want to drink their wine out of a Yeti tumbler at the beach and other people want that European wine glass. Um, so there's merchandise in there and there, there is a lot of variability on, on value in that because when we get a good deal, we basically try to pass it on. So we're able to buy things in bulk as a wholesaler, you know, sometimes negotiate better pricing than you could get as just a retail consumer. And we try to pass that on by essentially increasing the point value. And then the final category is experiences, which is a little weird this year, of course, because you're not really going to Napa right now, but we put some of them in there as examples of what you're going to be able to do. And that's things like having a dinner with a winemaker in their house where they're going to feed you and you know, share with you some of their wine from their library or staying on property at a vineyard or having a tour, doing a barrel tasting. So some of those experiences don't even have traditional pricing. Like you can't buy them. You cannot call up the winery and be like, hey, I'd like to have dinner with you. They don't sell <laughs> yeah. it, right? That's, yeah. a, that's a special thing for us. So when we look at it, we have a floor in value. It's always worth at least 0.6 cents which you know, is that same kind of floor that like American Express uses. Mm -hmm. And our base earning is always two points per dollar. So that's where we start. We have merchandise that goes from 0.6 cents, 
I think there's actually one or two things that are almost two cents because they're really good deals. Maybe you don't want them. I don't know. We try to, again, try to give you the best price we possibly can. And that price, of course, is also inclusive of any you know, taxes and shipping and all those other things that go on. So it's a little bit more than, say, the MSRP when we do that calculation, right? We're trying to figure out what this would actually cost you if you bought it from somewhere else. And then there's things like experiences, some of which don't have prices. And they're priced based on the fact that we do have to pay for some of them. I mean, if you eat dinner at a at a winery through our our brand, like we actually are paying for the food with your points. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know we're negotiating with the winemaker the value of their time and things like that. So that's you know kind of why there's that mix there um, is because we're always trying to give you the maximum value we can. But on the flip side, the way credit card companies like us make money, right, is we earn interchange from Mastercard and they set the price. <laughs> So we don't we don't yeah. control that side of the equation, and what you see some of the big banks doing, as we all know, is essentially losing money on many transactions, and hoping that you will, I guess, you know, revolve your balance or get a mortgage or something. And and we don't we don't really have that focus, right? Our cardholders tend to not be revolving or using a loan, and we don't sell mortgages. So we have to have a little bit different of a program from the business perspective that way. But our goal is absolutely to provide as much value as we can. I didn't catch uh, what the wine redemption was worth. Was that 0.6 cents as well, typically, or is that even variable? It's it's 0.6 cents now, and and we hope to be able to you know again bring more value in there. That's that's a complex discussion as well with you know with the wineries have to make their money and all those things. But um, that's where it stands today. Okay, well, still a uh, seventy-five thousand point welcome offer at 0.6 cents is four hundred fifty dollars. That's not bad. So the question, I guess, for you then, yeah, and people who would sign up, how how do you how likely how do you determine whether people are going to sign up for a year and then cancel? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with on our side is we believe if we can create a great card and create real value and demonstrate it over that first year, then people will stick around. Um, I guess it's too early for us to know. We haven't been in business here, and we hope we're not just going to be churned, of course. Um, and there's other things that we do as part of the card. So you think about Again, in the traditional space, there's a lot of other benefits, you know, your airport lounge passes and your free check bags. So we have our own set of benefits that are, mm-hmm. again, focused around wine enthusiasts. So in addition to the point sign-up bonus, when you get a card, we actually do ship you a pair of beautiful European wine glasses that you can get in the catalog as well if you want more. Um, and we give you a what's called a priority wine pass, which is a tasting pass for Primarily, you know, West Coast wineries, but where you can get offers and they have an, a concierge program. So you can call them up and say, I'm coming to Napa. They can help you plan your day. Um, so you get you get that as well. And then we do our own event series, which, of course, is virtual right now. Um, but, you know, where you can come as a, as a card member and you can join an event where we bring winemakers and you can chat with them. It's a very intimate experience. Like we did one just on last Friday with uh, the debate and Newton Vineyards, which are both really fantastic Napa Valley producers. We had the winemaker of the debate and the CEO of Newton Vineyard on the phone, having a chat with each other, answering questions from the audience. And then folks can also buy a specially packaged tasting pack to buy and taste along with that. So we're, we're putting you know, more into the experience as well and it's our intention and hope that after a year of this, you not only feel that the rewards are worthwhile, but these other benefits are as well. And it's more than just a credit card. It's it's a credit card and a, 
a membership and a program and something that you're getting a lot of other value out of. Yeah, I could see it really fitting uh, a lot of people's lifestyles. I, you know, I was thinking uh, as you're talking there about the the pandemic and its effect on tra- travel credit cards. You know, we've had to, had to see American Express do things with value injection to their cards that make them more generally, you know, applicable to everyday life. You know, the bonusing takeout and uh, you know having wireless credits and things like that that people are still spending money on. In, in a sense, your program wasn't nearly as diminished by the pandemic as some of those credit cards that were so heavily focused on travel. And then you get people calling in for retention offers because they they weren't able to take advantage of the card and things like that. It seems like most of the value in the card is is retained even in a pandemic. And hopefully it just gets better as the as the situation progresses here through the year. And some people can take advantage of those winery visits and things like that in person. Yes, absolutely. And I think when we talk about the the reward structure, one thing that we've seen, you know, a couple of reviews and things, people say, hey, if you live on the West Coast, maybe this is better. You know, you're closer to wineries. And we don't really have that viewpoint because wine does get shipped. Um, and certainly visiting a vineyard is great, but we know most people are not going to Napa every year. And so our program is really built around how do you connect with winemakers and, and boutique vineyards. So that top level earning, that five points per dollar is with our merchant networks that we built. And it's primarily really nice boutique wine producers, 450 wineries, some other kind of partners as well, things like Cellar Tracker that are part of that wine lifestyle, uh, which for people who don't know, maybe that's an app for keeping track of the wine you already own. That's very popular. Um, And so you get those five points and then you get three points at any other winery or wine store. That could be the, the wine store down the street, right? So you don't have to be in Napa. And one of the really interesting and the benefits that we we put out there as a way to earn points as well is we give you this extra bonus, two points per dollar at your top wine merchant each month. So whoever that is. So it's wherever you spend the most money in a single calendar month. So again, that could be your local wine shop. It could be a winery whose club shipment you had shipped to you that month. And so we're really trying to lean into like, we want to introduce you to our partners. We think they're great wineries. We're going to give you this offer of more points so that you can get a little bit extra back, but we also want to encourage your whole passion for wine and reward you for that. And so I think it's, you know, it's, it is very much a hobby that you can enjoy all the time. And, and even post pandemic, well, maybe we'll be doing fewer virtual events. It is our intention to come do events in big cities. Like we're not going to make everyone go to Napa. Right. And yeah. sometimes even the people who own these wineries don't live in Napa, right. They might live in New York or Chicago and they just, they have someone who makes the wine for them. So there's a lot of opportunities to connect and make it a really special experience. And it isn't dependent on that travel component. And probably most of our, you know, card holders have another travel card and that's okay. Like we, I think we all know the average person has multiple credit cards. So we think we make just a really strong companion to that. And we're not going to try to compete head on with American airlines because we are not an airline. Well, let's talk about the issuing and the backing bank behind this. You know, I think we're all familiar with navigating multiple credit cards from a single bank you know, the famous Chase 524 rule, and then you go over to Bank of America, and it's even more complicated, you know, how many of the Bank of America cards you can get, and how, what, what are they doing to look at other banks in terms of how many new credit cards you've opened in the past year or two across all issuers. It gets very complicated, but I always like it when there's a, a, a new bank that's issuing a card that I don't have any relationship with. And who did you choose to partner with? And uh, what, what are the approval standards? Yeah, so our issuing banking partner is a bank called Celtic Bank that's based in Utah. And they are 
a bank that works with a lot of fintech startups like us. Um, mm-hmm. they, they do issue some other credit cards for other programs, student cards. They have some secured card partners. And so they're really the, you know, they're the legal entity who issues the card. A card can only be issued by an actual bank that's regulated by the government. And they there's a couple other banks like them that kind of specialize in partnerships. So you're not going to find a Celtic Bank branded consumer card. They don't really market direct to consumers in that way. It's always through some partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of separate programs, right? We run our own website that people log into to check their balance and and it's all kind of powered by the bank. So it's kind of a unique setup versus say Chase again, or Citibank or, or Amex where it's all kind of that bank's own brand. Um, yeah. From a credit perspective, you know, this is a, a premium card. Uh, you know, it's not $600 a year or whatever, like a platinum card, but it is a premium card. Um, and so our goals around underwriting and credit limits are aligned with that. We're typically looking, you know, for good to excellent credit. So that, you know, usually means around a 720 or higher. Um, and of course, there are federal laws that regulate credit issuance. You have to be able to have the income to support the credit line and all those other things. And I don't want to step my foot in a regulatory quagmire by explaining them myself because I am not a lawyer. But there are <laughs> all those things that go into underwriting. So, you know, I think if if you look like a churner to the to the bank, they're probably still going to have issues approving you, right? If you if you are doing a lot of card opening and closing, that is just suspicious behavior to a bank. But um, you know the the standards are I think pretty straightforward that we're looking for. Uh, of course, everyone's credit file is unique. We all know this. Um, I will say uh, we do use Experian as our. I know that's a big question that comes up with. Uh, people when they're applying in this world. So if you have your reports locked or whatever, that's who we who we use for underwriting. Um, Good to know. So you can know. you can unlock that. Uh, and yeah, I mean it's a pretty straightforward product. We're, we issue credit lines, you know, um, from the you know few thousand dollars up to you know fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. So it's a, it's a pretty standard program from that that respect. I think um, you know we have pretty standard. APRs and things. We also don't do things like cash advances or balance transfers. That's really not how the product is designed. So it's really designed around purchases and we don't do a introductory purchase or anything like that on APR because again, we're really focused on the reward side and people using the card for making those purchases on an ongoing basis. Cool. Well, when does the 75,000 point offer expire? So the 75,000 point offer that you mentioned, again, in partnership with with the site Wine Berserkers, um, which is they have this big day every year, January 27th. So that is oh, the, yeah. the last the last day. Uh, ah. So we we're doing the, our normal sign up is 50,000 points. Um, so that's a, still a great deal. But uh, we're going all out for Berserker Day 12, as it's called. Um, and you can only get that offer by uh, going to Wine Berserkers. Um, it, the page with the offer is not private. You don't need an account, but you do have to find that page. If you just go to our site, you'll get the regular offer. So it is a, a special offer. And I think you'll see us do more things like that. Sometimes we run promotions with some of our partner wineries and things like that as well. Okay. Well, I'll include a link to that in the show notes. I presume with your help, I can find it here and people will have a chance to take advantage of that. It seems like maybe yes. I want to get the card and meet the minimum spend by, you know, wine, no, Berserker Day is a great day to get deals on, uh, you know, Sojourn and Sandler and a lot of my other favorites over there that I seem to yeah. order from regularly. So it might be good to have the card. 
All right. Well, this sounds uh, like everything I wanted to hear about starting a credit card. Very interesting to be in the wine space and in hearing your insight on what what goes on in in architecting a a program like this. And your your past history is really interesting. So thanks for sharing it with us. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I think the other thing I just add is, you know, we it's interesting. We are a startup and and that can be a little challenging sometimes for people when they think about financial services. But I think on the plus side, we are very into improving the product, taking feedback, listening to users. And we've already made positive improvements to the card since we launched even just a couple of months ago. And I think you're going to see us do more on that front and see us really building out this program in a really unique way. And so we're just excited to be engaging with people who love wine and we can help them get more out of the money they're already spending on wine. That's the goal. Well, the website is grandreservecard.com. I'll include a link to the offer in the show notes. Any other place that they should find you or find more information? Uh, our our bigger site is Grand Reserve Card is like the application page. So that's okay. certainly very helpful. But we have grandreserverewards.com, which has just more information on who we are, a blog about wine. We have uh, a list of all of our partners. There's a map and logos. And so if people, I mean, you can get to it from either site, but that's kind of the other one, maybe just to point out. Well, thank you, Matthew. Thank you for appearing on the Milonomics podcast on the Milonomics podcast network. Thanks for sharing about the Grand Reserve World MasterCard, and I wish you much success in the future. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.